0: Hallelujah. Father, we celebrate your love. We celebrate your love. We celebrate your grace. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. Somebody celebrate his love today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift your two hands with me all over this place. Everyone online father we thank you for your love thank you for your love over nigeria thank you for your love over every individual family that's represented here thank you because we are alive and well thank you because we can worship the god of our flesh this morning thank you for all your unfolding over our nation thank you because darkness will not prevail over nigeria thank you because this nation will not burn down we celebrate your love today. We celebrate your mercy. And we ask that you have your way over our nation. Do that which only you can do and let your name be glorified. Rule and reign in the affairs of men and prove to everyone that you are in charge over this nation. We thank you, our Father. We bless your name. We bless your name. Somebody put your hands together. Celebrate the God of love celebrate the God of love. Thank you, Jesus. Please, you may have your sick. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to welcome everyone to this service and everyone joining us online. I wanted to put distractions away from you and get ready to be blessed by the teaching and preaching of God's word. Uh, in Nigeria, where we're broadcasting from, we, we're in the season the election period, and we have to keep reminding ourselves that voting is not fighting. They're two different things. Yeah, voting is the exercise of individuals franchise, uh, to elect leaders. Fighting is a state of anarchy, brought out of confusion. So voting is not fighting, yeah. Voting voting should not be a battle, but we know that God has won the battles over this nation and whoever you voted for yesterday you probably still going to vote for as the elections will continue I want you to remember that your greatest vote is for God to rule and reign over this nation yeah so don't be overly emotional about your candidate or your preference at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about you. Daniel four and verse seventeen. Can you put that up for me? Daniel four and verse seventeen uh, reminds us that God rules and reigns in the affairs of men. Said this decision is by the decree of the watchers. This, this, and this sentence. He said, by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know. That the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Is Nigeria still part of the kingdom of men? Yeah. Yeah. The Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Gives it to whomever he wills. And sets over it the lowest of men. So God has a prerogative at the end of the day over our nation. That's why you should go into this week. Trusting God for a divine covering over your life and your family, but at the same time refusing to fret or agitate or worry. Yeah. So whatever way, whatever office, whether your preference is there or a judge to have won or not, Jesus rules and reigns over this nation. Can somebody say a bigger amen to that? Yeah. Yeah. So don't participate in anything that can burn down the nation or can bring us to anarchy. We trust God. That the Spirit of God will move over this nation and increase the relative peace that we have and the flashpoints will be turned to peaceful points Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. I mean, you all know what happened around, especially our city here in Lagos yesterday, that members of this church uh, that I have interacted with and I met yesterday that were lynched. Yeah. I was at my polling center yesterday when a brother who ran from... Another polling center at Igboe from there, when they turned the place completely upside down, I think three or four polling stations in that primary school there, the guy had to scale the fence was showing me his bruises, and it was his turn to vote. They were already counting like two or three polling stations, I mean, from there where uh, maybe the elections were not going a certain way, and they just started to scatter everything. That's quite primitive and um, undesirable for a progressive nation. Yeah. But that's not my call. It's INEC's next call and the call of, you know, all of us. But one thing that we must, uh, you know, focus on is how we're going to be peaceful and not going to be overtly emotional about our candidates. Yeah. If you voted yesterday, I know you voted for somebody, for president, for senate, for house of rep. But you have done your part. Leave the rest to God. Yeah. Leave the rest to God. You don't have to fight for your candidate. Let God fight for whoever he wants to put there. Is that okay? Yes. I said, is that okay? Yes. Yeah. So that is it. God only expects you to do your part. And if you have voted, you've done your part. Don't do more than that. And allow God to be God. He's the one that rules and reigns in the affairs of men. You are not the ruler. He's the ruler. Yeah. Don't upturn whatever God wants for your preference. Are you still here today? I said, are you still here today? Very, very important. And what I'm saying today, uh, this is not political in any way. This is scripture. That we as believers must align ourselves with peace, which is the will of God. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we're docile or anything like that, because I know people are interpreting everything I'm saying as if uh, PG is trying to say something. I'm not trying to say anything. I'm trying to talk about the word of God. So you just be here. And listen. is that okay? I'm not trying to say anything. Yeah, you know, you know why I have to say that is that this is a political season, so anybody that is talking, people believe must have must be talking from a particular political leaning or inclination. Yeah, I am not a political pastor. (laughs) I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I'm not. Uh, you know uh, I, I mean I I I am interested in politics because politics leads to policies and policies can either make rich or make poor politics can dest- uh, policy can either destroy lives or improve lives so we cannot cut ourselves off from politics because politics leads to policy formulation but at the same time we can only do as much per time yeah And when we leave it in the hands of God, God can preserve our nation. The next couple of weeks, God will be depending on you to continue to pray for Nigeria and to do the right things. To say the right things. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Watch what you say over this nation. If we all say the nation should burn, it will burn. But if we say there will be peace here, there will be peace here. Because God honors our words are you still here with with? yeah so let's be careful about what we say what we do and let's keep praying for the nation but one thing is certain god the bible says disappoint the device of the crafty isaiah 44 and verse 25 it frustrates the tokens of liars make the diviners go mad yeah because he rules and reigns in the affairs of men i hope you understand what i'm saying yeah so That's the perspective that you should have. Makes the knowledge of the the wise, turns into foolishness. So, however it goes, we believe that God still rules and reigns in the affairs of this nation. All God wants from you and I is to do our part. And after we've done our part, we leave the rest in his hand. And we allow him to do his own part. So, please don't be overtly emotional about... Any candidate of your preference is just your preference and you have exercised your franchise. Is that okay? I said, Is that okay? Yes, sir. Let me ask your neighbor, are you ready for God's word today? See, yes, notwithstanding what's happening in Nigeria yes, or any part of the world, yes, the anchor of our soul yes, is the word of God. Yes, Everything will pass away, yes, but the word of God remains strong. Tell your neighbor say keep your heart on the word. Keep on the word. say keep your, the word. keep your heart on the word. it will produce a brighter future for you say amen somebody amen. so we continue the teaching series the enemies of the heart the enemies of the heart last sunday we treated an enemy of the heart which we call offense don't forget that we said the heart of the matter, can I hear that one more time? The heart of the matter, yeah, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And everything rises and falls on the, or, or, you know, on the state of my heart. So, the heart is really very powerful. That's why scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. One translation says, guard your heart with all diligence, because it affects everything you do. We've sent people all over the scriptures whose states of the heart, their heart, sabotage their destiny. And that's why we're teaching this series. Last Sunday, we talked about offense and the fact that offense can come from anywhere. Luke 17 and verse number one, Jesus said, it is impossible, but that offense will come. And if God says something is impossible, it means it's impossible. We live in an imperfect world, filled with imperfect people, so you should not expect perfect behavior all the time. And because there will be no perfect behavior all the time, offenses will abound. Now, it now depends on me whether I will guard my heart or allow offense to find its way into my heart. Because when offense becomes rooted in my heart, it it can lead to uh, destiny termination or stagnation. As a way of final recap, last week we pointed out very strongly the story of John the Baptist. Jesus died on the cross. It was prophesied. John the Baptist was beheaded. It was never prophesied. It meant that that mean, that definitely may not have been the will of God for him. Jesus was talking about it. John the Baptist says, among all born of a woman, there's none as great as John the Baptist. But said in the kingdom of God, there's, you know, and all that. But Jesus spoke about John the Baptist from a very highly, you know, reputable standpoint. But when John became offended, he was in prison. Herod threw, uh, threw him into prison. And don't forget that Jesus may, may have been called Christ and everybody celebrating him, but John did not forget that they were cousins. Yeah. Elizabeth, the, the mother of John, happened to be the auntie or cousin of Mary. So he said, my cousin will leave me in prison like this and just be doing miracles all over the place. So he sends his disciples to him, just like some of us will send email today or send WhatsApp. <clears throat> Bros, are they here? Yeah, send WhatsApp. Oh, you know, some people, if you send them WhatsApp message, they say, I'm here. They know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, <laughs> Send his disciples to Jesus. And disciples want to meet Jesus and say, are you the one to come or we should expect another? When even John himself saw Jesus at Jordan and said, behold the Lamb of God, which took away the sins of the world. What changed offense? Jesus told his disciples, go and tell John the things that you see, the blind see, the lame walk, dead are raised back to life. And blessed is the one who is not offended in me. John, you are offended because I didn't show up. And that offense terminated his life abruptly. Just some simple some people are just having fun in the palace. And then they ask for his head, Just like that. Just like that. And his life was terminated abruptly. Because he did not guard his heart well enough to safeguard it from offense. Let's take another enemy of the heart today that you need to safeguard your heart from. It is called Greed. 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 The enemy of the heart. Greed that you and I need to safeguard our heart from. And I'm going to take a scripture from 2 Kings chapter 5. Reading from the Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 5 from verse 20 down to 27. A very important story of a young man who refused to safeguard his heart from the enemy of the heart that is called greed. Greed can be very subtle, insidious. It operates in the heart of men without knowing. You know there are some enemies of the heart... The outworking of it uh, reveals that this enemy is dwelling in your heart. I'm going to treat a little more, uh, some of them more, as we go into the the, the weeks to come. But this particular enemy of the heart that I was speaking about today, it operates in people's hearts without them knowing. And it will take pivotal moments in everyone's life sometimes for you to recognize that greed has been growing in your heart. I'm going to point out two important situations in the scriptures. One from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, where greed was revealed from the heart of a man who may not even have thought about it as greed. And it led to an unusual, abrupt, you know, termination of destiny. May your heart not sabotage your destiny. Amen. Oh, somebody say a better, amen. amen. So in 2 Kings chapter 5, the story of Gehazi. Now, before I read from verse 20, I I, I want you to understand something about Geazi. Geazi had the divine privilege by providence to be the man that will pour water in the hands of Elisha. Just like Elisha poured water in the hands of Elijah. Now, if you remember the story of Elijah and Elisha, when Elijah, the mighty prophet, who was one of the people who... Had the privilege of not experiencing death. Elijah was carried by a white wind to heaven when he finished his assignment, when God called him up. Elisha was with him. And he asked this young man, What do you want from me? He said, I want double portion of your anointing. And he said, If you see me when I'm taken up, you'll get it. And when the mantle fell on Elisha, he, he shouted, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen. And the chariots fell, I mean, the, the Mantle fell on him. He picked it up. He got to Jordan on his way back. He said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Pam, He laid the mantle on on, on Jordan. Jordan parted into two. The God that walked in Elijah started to walk in his life. And when you read about his life, he experienced real double portion. Now, somebody was now positioned by destiny. You know, somebody is listening to me right now. I need you to listen well, whether you are in this room or online. There are things God will position in your life. There are some people, maybe your great-grandmother is a praying mother, prayed your, you know, has prayed your future. But your heart may sabotage a future that is prepared for you already, if you are not careful. The devil doesn't have a problem when God is setting people up for greatness. All where he goes to wait for us is the state of our heart. The devil doesn't have a problem with God giving you a good spouse. But if greed will fill your heart, to be hiding things from that spouse, you, you can use your hand to destroy that marriage. Yeah. The, the devil doesn't have a problem. We see, the devil watches God just loving on us. And then he will, I mean, you can imagine in Genesis, I know I'm digressing, but please follow me. I'll go back to Gehazi very soon. In Genesis, God planted Adam and Eve in the garden called Eden. Everything was set. Everything was great. The devil didn't have any problem with that. Genesis chapter 3, when you read from verse 1 to 7. All he was waiting for was God just be loving them. But I know if I can find something in the heart, I can put a bit of greed. And he just showed up and told Eve, how are you today, my friend? Eve said, we are doing okay. But he said, you know that you, you still owe yourself something. Say what? The fruit of that tree. Because you, and you can pluck it now. What is the big deal? Eve ah, said, no. That one is for God. But God said we should not touch it. But every other thing we can touch. But not that one. Eh, sorry. Don't you know? The reason why God said it, you should know, is because God knows that if you, you will become like God. And you can be like God now. What's the big deal? You know, let's ask some people. You know, you know I, I know people. In the last 25 years of pastoring in this city, I know people. Yeah. I know people. People who started small. With nothing. And all of a sudden, when everything starts to settle, when jungle has matured, they just something just turned their head. You know, there's a way to walk with God that God can walk with you to the rest of your life. But as a way to walk with God, that the journey will be cut short abruptly because God will walk out of the equation. I I, I hope you are still with me. Yeah. The, the devil introduced greed he, there softly into the heart of Eve until she ate. See, greed says, I hold me. I hold me all the good things of this world. And if I can lay my hands on it, I'll give it to me. Me. That's how greed behaves. So back to the story of Geazi. Geazi, in Second Kings chapter 5, Gehazi got to a point where as he was ministering alongside Elisha, he was positioning, you know, positioning for double portion of Elisha's grace and anointing which will be quadruple of Elijah. It would have been a kind of prophet that maybe he would have had another third king. You know, first king, second king. we <laughs> have third king. Talking about the exploit of Geazi. Dedicated to Gehazi as the third, you know, or, you know, after another generation. After Elijah. Elijah terrorized kings in Israel. Go and ask Ahab. Go and ask, uh, uh, what's his, her name? Jezebel. They knew a prophet was around. And Elijah, the same. But Gehazi ended up with leprosy. Not because God did not position him with Elisha. Not because God did not plant him in a good church. Not because he didn't have good friends. Not because he wasn't married to the right person. Not because he didn't have good business partners. But greed, 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 greed. I'm bringing it down to you and I. Greed. Let's read quickly. Just a, a couple of verses there. In verse 20 there in 2 Kings chapter 5... Says, But is, Nehman came to his boss from Syria, general with wealth. And part of the problem of our nation today is that democracy will never work until greed is dealt with. Yeah. Wherever you see democracy working, democracy is not a, a, a fail-proof system of government. It has certain environment and certain, you know, you know, in science, we say, under normal temperature and pressure. Have you heard that before? In science, in elementary science, we used to say, that, under normal temperature and pressure. Everything works <laughs> under certain temperature and pressure. The temperature and pressure we have here. democracy cannot work like this. Eh? <laughs> but we'll leave that story for another day. Yeah. But it starts from here. It starts from the church. And it starts from you and I. Because we contribute our quota to the temperature and pressure. Because that's what we, we, we can see here. This guy came, he needed healing. Elisha told him, go and wash. He didn't want to. But eventually somebody told him, just go and wash. If you read the story from the beginning. And then he went and he was healed. And he wanted to just bless the man of God. Yeah. Give the man of God all kinds of gifts. The man of God said, no, I, I will pass on that. Yeah. He had a constraint, a check in his spirit. It's not bad to receive gift. Elijah, Elijah did not condemn receiving of gift. He just said, it's not every gift that you should receive. Yeah, not every gift. Not every gift. Not every gift. I can tell you personally, if you see any politician enter this church, they, they go as they came. There's no exchange of gift. This altar is not for exchange of political gift. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying it openly, I'm online never received any gift from anybody in political office as a matter of personal conviction yeah that was the system Elisha was operating in to say if god says i should take i will take but god says no and i'm not taking notwithstanding what you have brought so Nehemiah left uncle geazi was looking from one corner to say, is this how my boss will just be passing all this thing over? The Bible says in verse 20, but Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, look, my master, has spared, spared, spared Naaman, the Syrian. Even his words. <laughs> as if it's punishment, that we must collect something, which will be God has healed him, we must collect. He said, I spared Naaman, the Syrian. Why not receiving from his hand what he brought? But as the Lord leaves, as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from his hand. Yeah. He made up his mind. A part, it's a matter of personal convention and destiny assignment. As the Lord lives, I must take something from his hand. So Gaiazi, verse 21, pursued Nehman. When Naaman saw him running, this thing is by fire. He saw him running, running after him. He got down from the chariot to meet him and said, is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has, has sent me to you. Like, yeah. Saying, Indeed, just now, two young men of the sons of the prophet have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. He just fabricated something. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garment. So Naaman said, Please take two talents. So he heard him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garment and handed them to two of his servants and they carried them on, 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 on ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hands and stored them away. That's what greedy people do. Just keep storing away. Stored them away in the house. Then he let the men go and they departed. Now he went in and stood before his master. You see, I'm going to get into it in a bit, but greed makes you feel invincible. This guy knows you are dealing with a prophet who sees from God, and yet you still want to lie to him. You know, if he went and reported himself, maybe he won't get leprosy. Yeah, because there's a way greed gets to it, it, it destroys the conscience, which is the voice of your heart, of a good heart. You know, he went. And he said, uh, uh, and uh, Elisha said, where did you go, Gehazi? Yeah, because the eyes of the Lord run to and fro over the universe. And he's looking, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. Then he said to him, Elisha said to him, did not my heart go with you? When the man turned back from his chariot, God played everything to Elisha like a movie. And he recounted everything back to him so that the fear of God can come into his heart. But too late. Leprosy was already by the door. Yeah. Because he invited the leprosy. Yeah. So. And see what Elisha said. Is it time to receive money? He didn't say it's always bad to receive. He said it's not time. Is it time to receive money? To receive clothing? Olive grove? And vineyard? And sheep? And oxen? Male and female servant? So he said, therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. He brought over his entire household because of greed. And he went out from his presence leprous as white as snow. I need to move on, but I need to say this. See, if you did not live in those days, you will not understand what leprosy meant. It was not just a disease. It was a life sentence. Because a leper was not permitted to live amongst normal people. So they are banished. They cannot look for work. They cannot farm. They become beggars for the rest of their lives. So it's like saying a life sentence of uselessness and lack of expression of destiny. Destiny terminated abruptly without recourse, you know, to, to appear except for the mercy of God. That's what happened to to Gehazi, just because of greed, just because of greed, just because of greed. Greed is a strong desire for more wealth, possession, and power than a person needs. A strong desire for more wealth, possession, power than a person needs. The big question to a greedy person is when is enough enough? Glory be to Jesus. When is enough? Enough. Greed happens when the heart moves away from being planted in God. I need you to listen to me today whether you are in the house or you are online. God is not bothered about greed in the heart of people who don't know him. His real bother is when you and I who profess to know God, say I allow the enemy of the heart greed to take residence in our heart. When with the help of God, we can deal with it, but we still allow it. We see allow it. The first step to greed is to stop trusting God. The moment you stop, you stop trusting God in certain critical areas, greed will start to find its way in. Matthew 6 and verse 21, it says, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also when we stop trusting God, greed will start to find its way in. Yeah, you know, this message is kind of message that you can just, that save, I mean, for some people here, you have assumed now that I'm just preaching to your neighbor. I'm not talking to you. Yeah. You know, some things are not obvious. They're not obvious. Because, I mean... Last week when we were talking about any of, of their offense, the people who have kept offense in had, they knew. But this one, we have to unravel how you know that you're still dealing with greed. Because many people here who have excused themselves already, I put it to you like lawyers will say, when I start to make my case now, you'll find yourself in the boss. Yeah. I, 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 and I need you to be patient with me. Because you may find yourself in the boss. Because you know one thing about uh, when we come to church is that most of the time we behave like uh, like uh, bus conductors who we'll pass people into the bus and will not enter. So when pastor is preaching he Ah, he's talking about my husband though, and he's not in church today. So for the rest of the service you, you are not listening again you are just wishing that your husband is present. <laughs> and for some people ah, pastor is talking about my boss I wish I can buy him this message. Don't buy him any message. You listen now. Now. <laughs> listen Now. Now that you are here, God brought you here so that you can listen, whether you are online or here, listen now, now, now. Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6 says, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah. Says, so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what can man do to me. That's the heart of a person who is content. Let's look at the traits of greedy people. The traits of greedy people. I need to emphasize here as I, as I walk through this very quickly that greed uh, knows no socioeconomic or demographic boundary. Some people think that rich people cannot be greedy. Whether you are rich or poor, if greed is in your heart, it is there and it will manifest. Some of the most greedy people on earth are poor. And some of the most greedy people on earth are very rich. Greed does not have any socioeconomic uh, uh, delineation or boundary. It does not respect it. In fact, for a greedy person, more money is needed to demonstrate more greed. Money funds the greed. You know, it it just enables it a lot more. So it's very important that we have that at the back of our minds, that we understand that greed does not respond to your socioeconomic status. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So, uh, as I drive through these quickly, traits of greedy people, let me quickly unfold, and I use that to drive my point, the second person in the scripture that I was talking about, in Luke chapter 12, now in the New Testament, that a situation helped him to see the extent of greed in his heart. You know, we've talked about Gezi and I'm coming back to it when I'm wrapping up. But, Jesus also exposed another person. This, in, in this situation, uh, uh, this guy looked normal, unassuming, it didn't look like anything was wrong with him. But Jesus exposed the greed in his heart. So in Luke chapter 12, a young man walked up to Jesus and said, my father just passed away. According to the culture that we live in, the firstborn will take all the inheritance. He says, speak to my brother. Tell him to share some of the inheritance with me. Have you seen that scripture before? Luke chapter 12 I think from like verse 13 or so, can you put it up for me? Now, let me slow down here to make an analogy. You can imagine that maybe my brother here walked up to me after this service as a man of God, reverend gentleman, and said, pastor, I need help. So what's the problem? He says, (laughs) Um, my father had left a lot for us but everything is going to my brother because from the part of the country we came from, that's the culture. My brother is a member of your church and he's a Christian. Can you please help me appeal to his conscience? My father left four houses, two in Ikoyi, one in Leki, and one in Kejajari. It's just the Kejajari I want to. Just tell him. We are only two boys. Just, just give me one. Do you think I should walk away from that person? You are not answering me. You know, ordinarily, as a man of God, you would think, ah, and this guy makes sense. So, Since his brother is a worker in our church, he's a full member of this church, what's his number? Give me his number. I'll call him and I appeal to him, and he will yield one to you. And that will make sense, right? But Jesus did not miss out on that situation. He didn't think about the brother. He looked at the man and why he was making the demand. Because since you were born, and you have been of age. You knew that the day your father dies. Except, this, that you, except you, you cooperate with the devil to kill this guy. He's going to take everything. So prepare yourself to live without covetousness and greed. So Jesus looked at the man and said, it's not about your brother. I'm not going to call your brother. It's you. Yeah, it's you. It's you. Look at it. <laughs> Jesus looked at him in verse 14 of Luke 12, and said, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? When a man of God is talking like that, you'll be wondering, ah, pastor, why now? See, we just came to appeal to you to help us. <laughs> and then in verse 15, he said, he said to him, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. How do you measure your life? Is it the abundance of what you possess? Because that's what makes us want to just add more, add more, without thinking about what does God really want? In this season of my life, what should I be focusing on? What's the big deal now? You know, and all that. So Jesus looked at this man and used him to teach his disciples some big lessons about how not to be covetous. Because when his appeal and perspective looks okay and sane to all of us, God's perspective to that situation was that this guy has greed in his heart. Yeah, and it's covetous in his approach. Because it's not today that you knew about this. And when people start to behave like that, the enemy uses this as an opportunity to, you know, work on their heart for many more things. Because that's what can make that kind of person get so offended, he wishes his brother dead. And it's because of material possession. Traits of greedy people. One, selfish. Selfish. Selfish, greedy people you know—have bought into the lie that says my stuff is my stuff. So they think about themselves over and above every other person. So if, you ask, if, you, if you've demonstrated some bit of selfishness, then understand that the, the root cause of it may be greed. So because before you excuse yourself, to think that I oh, know I don't keep too much. I don't keep too much. Mm, it's not just about that. Secondly, greedy people are fear-driven. Fear-driven. Greed expresses, you know, anxiety due to lack of faith in God. Or lack of faith in God's capacity to provide, preserve, and promote. That's what leads to people, you know, trying to. Hard things. And just do funny stuff. Greed will expose us to a life of consistent worry about money. If you consistently worry about money. And you refuse to live a life of contentment. It's, it's greed showing up. Matthew chapter 6. When you read from verse 30. Jesus said, don't, you know, don't worry about this and that. From verse 25. Don't worry about this. And th- just Just... Put your attention, seek God and His kingdom, and said all these other things will be added. And what can worry hard to your life? Jesus was challenging us there about freeing our hearts from greed. Another uh, trait of a greedy person is lack of empathy. Lack of empathy. A greedy person lacks empathy. Greedy people tend to control and manipulate others to achieve their own goals. So you see, a greedy person who just wants what he wants. Sometimes you call the person a go-getter. But it's a way you be a go-getter, you don't care about other people's emotions. You don't care about how some things affect other people's lives, their relationships, their family. You just want to get what you want to get. And it's greed that is driving it. Because if it's real quest for a blessing that comes from God and had no sorrow, then your heart will not be devoid of empathy and feelings for other people. So when you don't care about other people's feelings, and you 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 keep over-promising and under-delivering, and you don't care, You know, it's interesting how even for us as a church, and I'll say this openly, even for us as a church, we do all kinds of projects. And if we look at our list of people who have done projects with us commercially as a church, the people that we should blacklist, most of them are either church member or members of other prominent churches. The building committee has a list of people who have worked for us and given us problem they will not finish the work even when they have collected 90% of the payment and they are Christians some of them will send me text messages if you are watching this message stop sending me text message. <laughs> I'm not in building committee I don't do projects I'm a pastor Yeah, and I've said it over and again you cannot be trying to manipulate the pastor to get contracts in church I'm here to pastor you, not to give you contract. (laughs) Because you know all this emotional blackmail of sending texts and doing this and that, it's not necessary. Just listen to the word of God and behave like a Christian. What will be pursuing you? Yeah. You know when somebody has done something well, recommendations will be coming from left, right, and center. Yeah. People who focus on their work and do it from their heart, they don't beg other people to recommend them. You won't even know where you are recommending them because the work has sweetened your heart to the point where you are the one talking about them everywhere you go. I hope you are getting what I'm saying. It's very, very important that we allow this, you know, to to uh, to get into us and not keep over-promising and under-delivering. It's not a good way to live as a Christian. That is greed. Lack of contentment. Greedy people, you know, possess an inordinate craving for more. The kind of craving that you cannot understand where this craving for more is coming from. And they are often willing to cross ethical boundaries, ethical boundaries to be able to get more. The moment you start, you know, you you can cross any ethical boundary to get more. More money, more influence, more of anything is greed. Especially as a Christian. So, greedy people don't abide with agreements. So you see two people, God brought them together in good business partnership. But greed will not allow them to agree to simple gentleman's agreement. So what God has joined together, greed will separate. And what is supposed... You know, the Bible says one will chase a thousand, two, ten thousand. There are too many people in the church chasing one thousand when they can chase ten thousand. But because you come into a business agreement with your brother, and you will not live true to the details of the agreement because of greed... What God is trying to do, you, you scuttle it. And then st- continue to struggle with 1,000 when you can have access to 10,000. Two we chase 10,000. Yeah. If you know the number of cases in court of Christians, Christians in business partnership that are suing themselves everywhere, when you go to the root of it is greed. One person has allowed the stranglehold of greed to hook their heart so that even when we are appealing and saying Let it go. It's a lie. Yeah. In these, you know, 20 years of pastoring or 25 years of pastoring in this city, if you know the kind of arbitration and all kinds of things I've been involved with, sometimes meeting into the middle of the night to separate, I mean, to settle issue between two brothers, washed by the same blood of Jesus. (laughs) But because of money, issues will never agree and some people will rather get their money than keep a relationship yeah and i've confronted people before to say look you don't know what god can use this person to do for you in the future this one that you're doing far to finish right now say pastor i don't care in fact i don't ever want to see him again in my life even if he makes heaven it should just his mansion should be far As in, do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. Meanwhile, in some cases, God is looking at a person and saying, if you can only let go of this money or this two-bedroom flat that somebody collected money from you and they refused to deliver, I'm not saying that is right, but I'm saying when God is warning you to walk away from something and you put your head there and say, it's by force, it's my right because of greed, there should be something in our heart that checks us to know when to walk away. Because sometimes God will say, okay, you will get it, but these other things you won't get because you have refused to let go. You have refused to let go. You have refused to let go. Many destinies have been terminated because of greed. A brother called me a few weeks ago. And I was on that call for a long time. And it broke my heart. Because, Oha Told me some things. He said, Pastor, I haven't been to church in a long time. Some because I don't like your church. The people who are, who, who are messing me up are not your church members. They're members of other churches, but they are big people in those churches. And they defrauded me. Seriously. And was saying, see, said the body of Christ has to have a meeting (laughs) (laughs) to be able to address some issues because the way people who profess to be disciples of Christ are defrauding other people and behaving like rogues is too much. And at the root of it is greed. 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 The devil throwing it, you know, in like he did to Gehazi, the danger of greed you know that they were just throwing it in Gehazi, you know lost the, the the possibility of inheriting the mantle of elijah because he wrongly prioritized money the Holy spirit brought a story to my mind i can never forget because it was a battle I had to fight. I'll tell you. I'm not sure I've even shared it here before. See this property? The day we went to sit with the trustees of this church and some members of the building committee to exchange papers to buy this property, this church purchased this property for over a billion naira, but we had 500 million naira as the first down payment. And we're signing paper so that they can escrow it. And when we finish payment, they will release it to us. We were at the head office of the organization that sold this property to the church. And as I sat down there, they were checking the details. They saw, right there, they put a call through to the bankers to confirm that this money in this statement is actually available for immediate transfer. And as we were doing all that, the devil whispered to me, how much do you have in your account? Say, are you really the pastor of that church? I said, yes. Now, say, how much do you have in your account? And I, I, I kid you not. I, said, I mean, I had just two accounts at the time. I checked through. I added everything together. I was five hundred thousand. Say, how can you be the pastor of a church that's buying property of over a billion, and you only have five hundred thousand? Are you okay? And I, and I was listening to all this conversation. All of a sudden, I just, I caught myself. I knew the devil was attacking my heart. And I started rebuking the devil right there. Nobody knew what I was dealing with right there, because the devil was making me feel poor. Say you are a poor man, pastor in a rich church. <laughs> it was a struggle. Because what the devil was trying to tell me is that how can you be sitting on five hundred million? You have it in cash, and you do, and you only have five hundred thousand in your life, home and abroad, to everyone and come back. That's all you have. You are not okay, you know. But I won the battle that day and I'm still winning till today. (laughs) See, what is not yours is not yours. There's no other way to put it. If it's not yours, it's not yours. If it's not yours, it's not yours. Today, you know, When you win such battles and you focus, people bless me from everywhere today. That day I told the devil, I'm not poor. Poverty is not about what you have in your bank account. It's about who you are. I'm not a poor man. I'm a rich man. I may not have naira or dollar to show for it. I'm rich. And at the appropriate times, God will meet me at every point of need. Yeah. So as I wrap this up, for you to be able to operate like I just described, you need to trust God to circumcise your heart. Anyone that operates with a circumcised heart, when greed wants to enter that heart, that circumcision is what filters it. Yeah. The circumcision becomes a filter that filters your heart and safeguards it from greed that contaminates your destiny. Because what is not yours is not yours. So dealing with greed has to be by circumcision. And as I close, Romans 2, verse 28 and 29, (laughs) says, For it is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter. See, it's important for you and I to understand that God wants our heart circumcised consistently. A circumcised heart will be able to especially deal with greed because the filter will be there. The filter will be there. You will be able to walk away from what God wants you to walk away from. Like Elisha. The filter will be there. It's not everything God wants you to walk away, but when he wants you to walk away, you need to be able to walk away because the filter will be there. It is called circumcision. It's a circumcision. I want us to pray. Rise on your feet. I want us to pray. Rise on your faith. Everyone online, join in this prayer. Circumcision of the heart. Before we pray, before we pray, Matthew 19 and verse 21, Jesus helped another person to see the level of greed in their heart. A guy came to Jesus, said, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, after he has asked him, love the Lord your God and all that, he said, I've done all this for my youth. So it's possible to be in church, to have followed God for a long time, according to this incident. Because this one was a a real situation, not a parable. And after the guy said, I've done all this for my youth, And all that, I've been a Christian, I've been, Jesus just told him, he said, go and sell what you have, give it to the poor and you have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. In the next series after this, we're going to deal with this a bit more. But, this suffices for today. That Jesus exposed the level of greed in this man's heart by putting him through just one test. Can you let go of everything you have and start afresh? This man said no. And he was the one that came to ask, what must I do to help eternal life? Jesus said, deal with your greed. The Bible says he left, you know, uh, um, because he had great possession. Give me the next verse, please. Don't sleep on me. Somebody there. Yeah. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possession. Yeah. He couldn't let go. What he had was too much. His possession held him back from Jesus. Where what you have hold you back from God. Whatever holds you back from God has become your God. Are you still with me, somebody? Yeah. Whatever holds me back from God has become my God. So, but you can imagine if the guy's heart was circumcised, the story would not have ended that way because he went away sorrowful. We're going to pray. I'll put the next slide on for me. A circumcised heart uses the spiritual tool of gratitude, sacrifice, and percentage giving. Presented giving and obedience. I want you to lift your hands to Jesus and say, Father, circumcise my heart. Give me a heart of gratitude. For what you have provided for me. Help me to to stop worrying. Help me to show gratitude. Help me to show gratitude. Help me to show gratitude. Lift your two hands and pray right now. And And just tell God, I receive grace for a life of sacrifice. That I will be able to sacrifice anything on your behalf. Take me to the next level in my capacity to give and to let go. Let what I've accumulated not stand between me and you. That I may trust you completely with my life. From time to time, God will place a demand on you. He will send people to you that you need to bless, that you need to sort out all kinds of things to start something, to do something, to give, to sacrifice. Anyone with a circumcised heart will not struggle. And I want you to pray to God today and ask Him for grace. Ask Him for grace. Help me to circumcise my heart. Help me to circumcise my heart. Somebody lift your voice and pray to God right now. Pray to God right now. In the precious name of Jesus. Next slide. Next slide. A circumcised heart creates an atmosphere of contentment. An atmosphere of contentment. I want you to lift your voice right now as you go into this new week. Father, let an atmosphere of contentment pervade my life and my household yeah the bible says godliness with contentment is great gain first timothy six and verse number six having a promise of the life that is and is to come for it is it you know uh, uh, for we didn't bring anything to this world and will not take anything with us that's what the scripture says i want to lift your voice right now put that slide back on the screen lord I permit an atmosphere of contentment around my life and around my household. I want you to pray for it. Hold bound anything that brings worry and anxiety to the point where you are starting to hate your life. And blaming God. Some people are living in regrets. Oh, if I have done this, I won't be here now if I have you know if I did that deal I'll be a billionaire no I wanted to lift your voice right now say father I open up my heart to an atmosphere of contentment that will bring peace into my heart that will bring fresh direction that will launch me into the next level of what you want to do in my life I will not dwell in regret I will not allow worry and anxiety I release my heart to be circumcised today. I permit an atmosphere of contentment around my life and around my household. Greed will not destroy my life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. One more prayer. One more prayer. Maybe this last one. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Circumcised art practices moderation in all things and lets the Holy Spirit direct the appetite and desire that he pursues. I want us to pray with this to say, Holy Spirit, I receive grace for moderation in all things. Say it against moderation in all things. Say, I yield my appetite to you, guide my appetite. I surrender it to you. Lift your voice and pray right now. Lift your voice and pray right now. Lift your voice and pray right now. Speak to God right now. A circumcised heart practice moderation in all things. Father, I pray for grace for moderation. 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 Moderation in all things. May my desires not sabotage my heart. In the name of Jesus, give me a circumcised art that process moderation in all things. I submit, Father, I submit my appetite for everything. Appetite for money, appetite for relationship, appetite for power, appetite for anything. Lord, I submit it to you today. Appetite for fame, I submit it to you today. Holy Spirit, walk in me, walk through me, walk for me. That my heart may not sabotage my destiny. That ungodly comparison will not launch me into unbridled greed. Somebody talk to God today. Talk to God today. Talk to God today. These are very important prayers. Esau lost his back track because of inordinate desire. A desire that is not, appetite that is not submitted to God. Appetite for sex. Appetite for money. Appetite for fame. That is not submitted to God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. Wave those hands to him. Wave those hands to him as you wrap up your prayer. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you father we thank you father we thank you we bless your name we bless your name we surrender all to you today and we ask that you fill our heart with your presence lift those hands to him and say father circumcise my heart make it a kind of heart that greed will not be able to stay him somebody pray to god right now one more time say, Help me to look away, help me to look away, help me to look away. You can imagine if only Gehazi would just look away from Naaman. If only he just looked away. Say, Father, help me to look away. Help me to look away from whatever you have not given me. Help me to look away. Father, I will not bring any leprosy into my generation. Yeah. Gehazi brought generational leprosy. I will not be quit leprosy to my children. Help me to look away. Help me to look away. Help me to look away, Jesus. Help me to look away. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And so, Father, I would pray grace upon your sons and daughters. Declaring everlasting, Father... the hold of greed is broken over our hearts i decree grace comes upon you to maintain an atmosphere of contentment in the name of jesus may your desires and appetite not destroy your destiny holy spirit we submit our desire and appetites to you we ask that you walk in us to regulate it in the name of the lord jesus we decree and declare and declare, the hand of God comes upon you to maintain an atmosphere of gratitude. Whatever God has not given you, you will not put your hand on it. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we decree that the hand of God shields your heart from the enemy called greed. In the name of Jesus, may your generation unborn not experience leprosy as a result of your error in the name of the lord jesus father we thank you we give you glory and we give you praise in the precious name of jesus thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord Lord. while while whilst we're in the atmosphere of prayers uh i want to pray if you want to see it you can see it if you're in the auditorium I want to pray for everyone in your church, everyone online. Can you bow down your head just for a minute, just for this prayer? I want to pray for anyone who may be saying, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. Or maybe somebody who is saying, I prayed a prayer before, but I basked into sin. And I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want to pray for you as well. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Whether you are in this house or you are online, if you're online, I want you to go to the chat or comment and let us know, I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm rededicating my life to Christ. But if you're right in the room, can I ask that you put your right hand on your heart and let me pray for you. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Just put your right hand on your heart, right where you are, and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. God, will start something new in your life. I don't want you to just wish it away. Uh, if you don't have a relationship with God, you don't have a relationship with God. And you must start from somewhere. And it's not, you know, uh, it's just something that we all need to come to do at some point and ask God for forgiveness and have a, a new beginning with God. Jesus delights in, uh, you know, uh, in us when we choose to repent and we choose to, to have a relationship uh, that is not just uh, you know, uh, something in our head but something that's coming from our heart. So if you want to submit your life to Jesus today, I want to pray for you. Put your hands on your heart right where you are. God, will start something new in your life you will never be the same again if your hand is on your heart can you lift the second one up as a mark of your surrender to jesus right where you are i'm going to pray for you right now right now thank you for that hand just lift it up to jesus god is starting something new in your life and you will never be the same again god is starting something new in your life you'll never be the same again never be the same again I want you to lift your hand. If you're lifting it well, yeah, thank you, thank you. Just lift it well to God. God, God is starting something new in your life. If you are online, I want you to go to the chat or comment and let us know, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm rededicating my life to Jesus. I want to pray for you if your hand is up. And I wanted to say this prayer after me. If you don't mind, can you stand by your chair right there? Can you just stand by your chair right there if you don't mind? Just stand. Just stand where you are. Just stand where you are. Thank you for standing. Just stand where you are. God is starting something new in your life. Just stand where you are. I want to say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I ask that you forgive me my sins and that you cleanse me from every unrighteousness. Say, I accept you today as my Lord and my personal Savior. I willingly open up my heart to you and I ask that you feel my heart with your spirit and give me a new beginning from this moment forward satan i renounce you and i declare that my life is for jesus i am now born again and i'm a candidate for eternal life thank you father for accepting me just the way i am if you just said a prayer with me uh, ministers will reach out to you ministers can you just beckon on them uh, they want to spend just uh, a couple of minutes with you if you walk to the hall that is closest to you you'll be able to uh, get in, in contact with their ministers please reach out to them and please follow them just for a short a very brief period of, of interaction and putting some materials in your hand that will help you uh, to live a better Christian life can we appreciate all the bold people making a decision for Jesus come on let's appreciate them let's appreciate them praise god all right very quickly is